0: Hey, thank you so much for tuning in. This conversation is the second out of three conversations with Jai Hudson, who is a black man who has been raised and is still living in Huntington Beach. Please enjoy. Please subscribe because uh, that way you'll be getting a notification when the third segment comes out. Thank you so much. Right.
1: But what were you going to ask? I'm sorry.
0: Oh, that's okay. I forget.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, I think I was going to ask if you'd ever had any experiences where you came across a police officer that you felt fa- treated you fairly.
1: Yeah, there's a, there's a police officer. So I had that same Volvo I told you about that had the light that 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 guy finally because he followed me for like it had to be like 10 minutes to figure out how to pull me over i was going the speed limit and everything and he saw that my my light went out over my license plate mm-hmm. so there's another instance in the old volvo might have been 1990 1980 I, I don't remember i think it might have been 1980 um it's so it's a metal car and uh i went up to this light and uh it, it what happened i went up to the light i saw the cop pull up on the right side but the light turned yellow and i didn't want to run a red light before i got there because i knew if i hit the intersection it was going to turn red i was going to run a red light in front of him i stopped mm-hmm. my car i pushed the, i pushed the brakes my car is so heavy and i was going so fast that my car completely spun around and that's how afraid I was <laughs> of getting pulled over by this cop. So I, I, I reverse my car, I uh-huh. align my car. I look at the cop, I wave to the cop. Like you said, you wanna wave to a cop. This is the very first time I wave to the cop because I know I'm in that much of the wrong. Right. So I'm like, I point to the place that I'm gonna pull myself over at because I know how wrong I am. This right. cop comes up, I pull myself over He doesn't even, he, I think he turns on his light, but I pulled myself over already. And, um, and, uh, I mean, he, he turns on his light. I I already pulled myself over. It's like less than a second that his siren is on. And then I like shake my head at myself because I just did such a bonehead thing. He comes up to my car and he said, he's, he said, can I, can I have your driver's license? And he said, "Josh." What was that Dukes of Hazard shit you just pulled back there? <laughs> oh my
0: god!
1: And we we laughed like we just we just laughed, and he's like, "Look, man, like," and we talked we talked about it, and I I told him I told him that I was not trying to run a red light, or I told him something, and he he told me I think that you were scared that I was a cop. Yeah, and that's that's why that happened like that. He said, "Jai, I really like your like your vibe. Your, mm-hmm. Whether vibe was a word he said, I, I, it could have been like energy. But I think you're a really cool guy. And um, instead of me giving you a, a moving violation, which would put a point on your insurance, which would raise your insurance, I'm going to ask you to take that. I have a thing that's called an onk. It's a cross, basically, a Egyptian cross." Mm-hmm. And I, I have it hanging from my rear view mirror and I have a cassette tape, like a hip cassette tape hanging from my rear view mirror. And he's like, I'm mm-hmm. gonna ask you to take those off and then I'm gonna write it off as a fix-it ticket. Okay. And I was like, that right there is is that's not tone deaf. Right. You know, that that's right. giving that's giving me a pass, even though I'm in the wrong, but you feel that the energy is on point. And I'm a rational human being. Mm-hmm. So like when it comes to, um, what's his name? Rashard Brooks mm-hmm. um, in Atlanta, his energy was on point. Like he he didn't want to be a product of the system. And that's mm-hmm. why when he's in handcuffs, the tussle starts happening because he's traumatized over the system. He doesn't want to be a product of the system again. And that's why you take a man's taser because you're trying to survive. I had a dream last night that I was I was in a boat, and the boat capsized and the boat sunk. And I kept trying to help all the bodies that were that were drifting under the boat from being attacked by sharks. And I tried to I tried to bring them up for for air so they could swim with me. And at the end of this dream, I was the only person swimming to through a, a sea that never ended to get back to land. On a, it was a whole struggle for survival.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and that's what I believe the, the if we were to, if minds that couldn't put themselves in Mr. Brooks, I believe his last name is Brooks, um, shoes and why he was still a taser, it's, it's survival. As a human being, right. you want to live and I know people are like, that's suicide if you're going to take a, a, a officer's gun. But it's not a rational world we live in to be traumatized right. by police officers. So when right. you're in, when you're in the moment of trying to survive, you're thinking the best. Primal way you possibly can to survive. And he might have thought that he yeah. took a gun and not a taser.
0: Yeah. You know, last night, you know, that's the first time I've talked to you in person. We've talked on the phone before, but last night in front of my husband and and I, we would consider ourselves very rational, calm. We live a very like sedate life, not very exciting. But when you told us the story of getting pulled over and then uh, having the police officer being just out there and wild and opening your door and making demands and screaming at you and, not being calm and calling you names and all those things. And and it scared you because of trauma, because of things you've seen, because of things you've been through. And then you told me that um, you ran and you ran and you hid in the bushes. Mm -hmm. And I imagine, I don't know where that all happened here. You said it was here in Huntington. It was on where. where.
1: Yeah. PCH and Warner next to that fire department. That's before a subway. Okay.
0: Well, I imagine this whole story in my head. I have a good imagination. I imagine the whole story in in my head that it was by the high school. And then you got pulled over by FCC, which is First Christian Church, which is where we, when we go to church, that's where we go. And I imagine you having run over there and hidden in the bushes. And then you said that there was a kind cop that came over, another cop that came Mm -hmm. and tried to settle you down and said, now come out of the bushes with your hands out and kind of gave you a break. Yeah. And that whole story. I mean, I replayed it a couple of times in my head and we talked about it when we got home. And then when we were laying in bed, I said, I knew it reminded me of something. It reminded me of when you're watching a horror movie and there's, you know, the beautiful white girl and she's terrified of, you know, the guy with the knife that's come in and slain her whole family. And she's hiding in the closet and she's got a good hiding spot. And you just say, just stay there, just stay there. And, you and then she's so terrified. She can't help herself. And she reveals herself and starts running and Mm -hmm. screaming and then she ends up getting slain because she couldn't keep her wits about her because she was just the terror. And that's kind of what that reminds me of. And it just, it makes me so sad that like, I just, dude, I don't go through anything like that. I don't experience anything like that. And I don't expect my children will ever experience anything like that. But the bottom line about that is, is like, My family is blended, so we have five kids, but one is my stepchild, two are his stepchildren. You know, I have three biological, you know, there's a whole mix of everything, but we have one who's adopted out of the foster care system. And I, for a long time, thought that she might have, you know, she might be a percentage black. I just, there's just something about her that I'm like, so we did 23 and me and she's not. But Mm. for a long time, I really thought that that could be the case. And the bottom line, I guess my point through this whole thing I'm trying to say is that she could have been, and that could, you know, or, I, or the day that the foster care worker called me and said, Hey, we've got a little girl for you to adopt. I could have gone there and she could have been black. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is it's like, all these children are our children in our, if you look at a community as brothers and sisters, we are all a family. And if any of us are being treated in such a way that we're so terrified that we have to go run and hide in the bushes, that's, people really need to hear that. Yeah. uh, It happens to people. It happens to people. I mean, I've had, I think I've had a dozen conversations in the last week and I'm telling you high powered lawyers. There's, I've got a conversation on there. High powered lawyers who are scared. I had a, a woman who's a lawyer from LA buy a home here have a baby here with her husband and they moved away because she would get harassed. And I, I'll tell you what, I didn't know that. I, I really didn't know that. And you can call it white ignorance or white privilege or whatever you want to call <laughs> it. But I'm glad to be listening to these stories and know that that's happening because I really do feel in my heart that there are a lot of good people in this town who mm. once their eyes are open and they realize what's been going on around here will Speak up and say, "Hey, I'm I'm not about that. That's not okay."
1: Right, and there's a um, there's a common narrative of uh, strangers that are coming my way, and they're telling me all that that uh, we're not all racist in Huntington Beach. Good. And I to- I told you, I told you that I grew up in Huntington Beach. I know that. Yeah, that's not the problem. The problem right. is there's too many quiet people in Huntington Beach.
0: Too many quiet people.
1: You know, there's like... I'm there's... telling you. Huh?
0: Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Well, I just I just need people to speak up.
0: Well, I sat the first weekend when there was a peaceful protest downtown. I sat and watched a live feed and I watched a woman who was literally from nine in the morning saying hateful things as kids... We're walking down main street and that was the day that they were boarding up businesses. And I owned a business down there. So I saw the business that I used to own getting bored up and, and all this stuff. And I thought to myself, well, I, I mean, I understand what that's like. You know, it's a pain in the ass to get your windows broken out. It's a pain in the ass to have your shit stolen. It's a pain in, you know, it's pain in the ass to get an insurance claim. And honestly, for people who have goods that they're trying to sell, it's really hard to restock right now because of COVID it's taking, months instead of days to get a shipment in. So it's, it's, I get that from a business owner standpoint, Mm -hmm. but I feel like we are really putting a target on our backs. When we say things like, you're not welcome here, go home, go back to the ghetto. And that's what a lot of this live feed was saying. Mm -hmm. And I watched that and I watched her saying that, and I didn't feel like there was enough people who looked like me with voices like mine downtown saying, no, we don't agree. We don't Mm -hmm. agree. They are welcome here. We do need change. And for the 1% of people who are people of color down I mean, we need to come around those people and say, Hey, we are with you. We stand with you. So that's what kind of got me fired up where I'm just like, I'm going to go downtown and hold up a sign and represent myself and other people. But I think that there is, it's very comfortable to stay home, not get involved, not have uncomfortable conversations at dinner with your friends. And I mean it really is time to get uncomfortable.
1: It this is uncomfortable comfortable for me. Because I mean we, we, me. we've been uncomfortable for a long time and we're we're just yeah. can, you know, the, the the beginning of COVID had a lot of uh, a lot of meditation type of vibes coming through it, trying to look within yourself and trying to trying to heal yourself. But then at the end of that, we realized that externally. There's a problem. There's a problem of people that care more about the business than they do black folks. But when black folks were the business, they still didn't care about us. You see what I'm saying? When when slavery happened, we were capital. Yeah. In in this world, we were we were a business, and they still treated us like the business comes first before your livelihood. They still didn't recognize that. I fear for my business before I fear for your justice happening is a thing. And that's a problem that they see the capital of the business coming before what the people are saying that are trying to heal and the people that are trying to heal them are over there. But that's feared. It's feared for for a window breaking and, and stockpiling your business but not the livelihood and quality of life of a people. And then yep. when you have the other side yelling at you, but not addressing the opiate crisis, not addressing the alcoholism or the suicide or the lack of quality of life and the, the, the longevity of life of a white person, but you're gonna disagree about black lives mattering first because they're in fear of their business. Now that's the same type of people that would have been in front of a slave block saying, I fear for my business getting destroyed. They can't auction no more bodies off of them. That's the same thing. That's a business right there before black lives. Mm-hmm. And I have a major problem with that. And I think that needs to be pointed out. I'm tired of, of the news telling people how to think, because I believe that's conditioned from the president and whoever's conditioning the president, Mm -hmm. because they're, they're echoing the same narrative and that was appropriated from chief handy too, of which like I got, I got respect for chief handy. I think that there's a certain union that that's against him, but that's a, 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 another, I'll leave that alone for right now. But, um, I do have a major problem of, people being in fear of what will happen to their business, because that is not what's happening here. And it's been proven. And even if it did happening, people that are speaking up about a public execution and genocide of their people does not come after a business. And we don't have to be peaceful about that. So the language of suffering may be from educated and lack of education type of response. I want justice in the courts. I want law change. Other people do want to loot, And that's their right. But I also think that stems from a lack of education because they could also get everything they want if they had the proper education and if they weren't denied the proper education. And that would also stop the murdering of their own kind or other people. And I think that also stems from the, I think police brutality also shows a flaw within our educational system.
0: Can you talk about that a little bit more?
1: That the, the training, there's, a, man, that that's a long, <laughs> well, the, well, from, I mean, to sum it up, the,
0: basically, you're saying that you feel like there should be like a sensitivity training
1: Um, man, there's, there's a, all right. So they, they sent this guy, they called it dare at the time. I don't know if it still exists.
0: Yeah. I remember that,
1: but I remember him basically saying that black folks and and Hispanic folks were, and their attitude and culture is what's called having a chip. Can yeah, there's this there? guy that, that came to our school, and uh-huh. he, was, um, he was a D.A.R.E. officer, and this uh-huh. is your community relations officer, and he right. was a white guy, and he would try to, he was, he was really corny, and he always tried to, when it came to Black folks and, and Hispanic folks, he used to always have this certain type of attitude that would mock us, and like, like yo, 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 wow. and and. It, and using hand gestures and those were gang members that that he was he was mocking and they always were were Hispanic and black folks and um he would sit out there and try to play basketball with us he was terrible at it but he would do it in his uniform all stiff um so they they asked us to to sign this paperwork saying that we won't do drugs and and give us this pledge of of the type of person that we won't be so we could be in a pizza party and me and my friend, Sean, he, um, he wouldn't sign it. So I was like, he's not going to sign it. I'm not going to sign it either. I don't care about the pizza, you know, cause I, I care about him as a friend. Mm-hmm. So we didn't sign it. Everybody else went to the pizza party. We didn't, we, we hung out and we kicked it. Um, so what I'm saying is that if that guy, first of all, didn't come in his uniform, Would would be a a, a nice approach to community relationships. This is when this is all in elementary school. He used to come to our class, Mm -hmm. and um, if he would have came to to our class out of uniform, and would have been more of a natural person, human being, then we could have respected and related to him more, and had a our first interaction with a police officer not mocking us. Mm-hmm. Um and we would maybe we would have respected it more maybe we would have signed that paper we ha- we have no idea but i don't think we should have been tried to be conned into being into a a culture that they're trying to manifest upon us and tell us what's what's right and wrong they could have easily taught us the philosophy of ethics for kids and had us come up with the philosophy of ethics ourselves. They could have mm-hmm. easily came with an officer that can play basketball and teach us how to play <laughs> basketball, but not not all, not only teach us how to play basketball, but drop some real knowledge on us, like like yeah. while we're playing, of things right. that we're interested in. So there's a there's a different type when I when it comes to training. There's a natural way to exist within within the realm of children and. Uh, even adults. Like when we had football Friday, football Friday is what what I was doing and preparing for and talking to when I got pulled over, when that guy stalked me from the park to all the way PCH and, um, in Warner, Mm -hmm. I was talking to my friend about football Friday, football Mm -hmm. Friday is something that we made. Um, my, 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 my friend Lee and Maj the black folks. that live out here. They help organize black folks from Long Beach, from all other cities, and from Huntington Beach. All like black folks and people that wanted, to, that were comfortable with playing with black folks will play in Huntington Beach a football game on Friday. And yeah, we would smoke too, like at halftime or after, after the game. And uh, it, was, it was an easy community uh, organized event that wasn't even structured so formally. Right.: So what I'm saying is that when it comes to training of the police officers, it's not o- only about being an informant or trying to trying to catch somebody, trying to catch what they call a bad guy. It's um, how, how do you build a well-structured community that, awful, that also exists in escapism, which is talking about drugs too? Not pe- not every person doing drugs is a bad person, mm-hmm. you know. They, they, there's an escapism that that they're going through when they're smoking after the game. They they're mellowing out after they had fun, and they mm-hmm. they all exercised a healthy activity beforehand. That made a fit society, and that officer, they could choose better officers to do play certain roles they don't have to come in their uniform they mm-hmm. don't have to be informants. they could just be brilliant minds that yes. come into the community and 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 do something progressive mm-hmm. like one time i was at the park that we played football friday at and somebody dropped off books that all happened to have like a relationship to me it was a subtle hint That I took upon myself to take some of those books like like Internet marketing, um, a biography about Jay-Z, how to start a small business. Those books were all put into the park for some kind of reason. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm not an ignorant person. I'm honest about my ignorance, but I don't I don't champion myself as an ignorant person. I saw the book. I read the book. I studied the book. I applied myself. We have websites now,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and that—that's—that's—that is a smart way of training and how to develop a people that don't want to get into student debt, because sure. ed, education and love would kill racism, justice and laws about how to treat somebody and what's what's wrong about treating somebody could also be applied the same way that we apply l- like harassment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, when it, when it comes to training, I would just appreciate a different approach to the community other than enforcing.
0: Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, putting
1: somebody into their system.
0: I think things are changing too, as far as like, you know, the difference between like, say you're smoking after a game to relax. It's viewed so much differently just in the last five or 10 years It's not much different than someone having a beer after, you know, you played a couple hours of football and that's, Mm -hmm. you know, that's nice that it's a little bit of a, not only has it been decriminalized, but it's also, you know, it's not like, you know, you would have a moral issue with someone who was doing that. You take it for what it is. It's like some people would prefer to smoke. Some people, I prefer a glass of champagne. My husband prefers an IPA. (laughs) Some people prefer, you know, our neighbor down the street that we love to hang out with. He prefers to get high. So it's, you know, it's all mm-hmm. kind of the, you're getting to the same place with a different vehicle, really. And I, I love that. So, so many great pearls of wisdom from Jai Hudson and great stories about what it's been like to grow up in Huntington Beach. The favorite thing he said for me that stood out was that education and love can kill racism. I really thought that that was an amazing thing to say and so hopeful. Uh, Please subscribe because the third part of this interview shall be coming out soon. Thank you, folks.